Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that beneath your cross we find grace. Make us aware that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And there you call us to gaze upon your great sacrifice for us. Lord, send now your Holy Spirit to speak to us your truths once again. In Christ's name I pray, amen. During this season that we call Lent, it's a 40-day journey from uh, a few Wednesdays ago until uh, Resurrection Day. There's a book that we are using to guide our journey together. It's called A Jesus-Shaped Life, and uh, we're out of these uh, in print, but if you would like one in PDF, uh, call me, text me, email me, send a carrier pigeon, and uh, I, will, I will send you one on PDF uh, as quick as I can. Uh, a few Sundays ago, I was preaching in our 9 o'clock service, and afterwards, a lady new to our church, her name is Marcia. Uh, lives in the Spring Hill area, she, she came up to me and she says, you don't by chance know Ross Stevenson, do you? You and he sound exactly the same. Ross is my brother who lives in Spring Hill and Marcia had interactions with Ross and my sister-in-law Jenny and she recognized a family resemblance because of our similar vernacular. Uh, I would say that Ross and I bear a, a family resist, resemblance most of the time. Right, right now his hair is longer than mine and he's growing some facial hair so we may not look, uh, look the same. Sometimes I think I look the younger. <laughs> Let's go with that. Sometimes uh, we bear this family resemblance and it may be our accent. Uh, it could be our looks, it could be our mannerisms, it could be our, our size, it could even be our, our, our vocation. Do you know the Manning family, the quarterback Manning family? How is it that they get all the quarterback genes and make it to the NFL while the rest of us are left, left short? There's some family resemblance there. My grandmother's favorite show was Lawrence Welk. I think it still comes on. You can, you can watch it. And, and my grandmother's name was Ruth. Uh, she, would, she would watch Lawrence Welk, and she knew the relationships between, between everybody and Lawrence. How is it that Lawrence Welk's family gets all the musical, some of the musical talent and the, and the music talent? My family is, uh, has a lot of engineers in it. My grandfather graduated from Georgia Tech. My dad went to Georgia Tech for for. Uh, engineering and Auburn uh, to George, to, for engineering. My uncle went to Georgia Tech. I've got two cousins that went to Georgia Tech. My brother went to Tennessee, got his engineering degree. My brother-in-law's got his engineering degree. And somehow that mathematical skills needed for engineering, it just skipped over uh, this one. But the interesting thing is this, not just that with, with us immediate, but also uh, ancestrally, we can go back, Frank, to, to my uh, ancestor home of Scotland. And the majority of the lighthouses in Scotland were built by Stevensons. Except for one Stevenson, he became a writer, Robert Louis Stevenson. I bet you bear a family resemblance. Followers of Jesus, to be like Jesus, we take on the traits of Jesus, his characteristics as the Holy Spirit forms us and we bear 
a family resemblance. When we embrace the love of Jesus, we also embrace the life that Jesus loves. So today we're going to open up to the fifth chapter of Ephesians where that Paul writes when he was in prison. But to get to chapter 5, I want to tell you about chapters 1 through 4 before we read chapter 5 because it's those letters in, in Scripture are meant to be read through, and, and sometimes we just find ourselves in, in a certain passage, and we miss the meaning of that passage because we've just parachuted in. So let me, let me bring us from uh, chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5 before we, before we read it. Paul writing this letter in prison, it is gospel. It is the good news from start to finish. And he begins with a gospel explanation, and, and then he transitions to gospel application, explanation, and then application. It's incomplete to just know, but we must also practice the gospel, amen? We must go from orthodoxy to orthopraxis, right belief to, to right practice. So I want to just start by asking you this question this morning have you asked Jesus to save you? The question is not are you a member of the church or, or have you been baptized, but have you asked Jesus to save you, to, to be your Savior? Because that's where it starts. We're not about behavior modification. We are about life transformation. And it's a transformation that only comes through God's grace. And so the beginning part of that transformation is, is to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior? That's the, the starting point. And what proceeds from there need not be attempted. First, ask to receive. And all you have to do is ask. And then God works His grace in your life. When God works salvation into our lives, we have blessings by virtue of our union with Christ. And this is where Paul starts talking. You are chosen in Jesus. You are adopted in Jesus. You have redemption in Jesus. You have an inheritance in Him. And God is bringing the entire universe to its fulfillment. Paul says that in Jesus, you were dead in, trans, in your transpasses. You have now been made alive. In Him, you are created for good works. In Him, you who are far away have been brought near. In Jesus, long-time enemies can come together in peace. In Jesus, we are being built together in a dwelling place for God. And all of this is yours in Christ Jesus. Have you asked Jesus to save you? Then all of this can be yours. Paul prays twice that we may know Christ more and more. And in Jesus, we may find a love that is wide and long, high and deep. Reminds me of a vacation Bible school song. It's a love that will surprise us. It's a love that surpasses knowledge. And all of this can be yours. And what we're about to get to can be yours. It will all be made possible with Jesus as your Savior, the natural and desirable and good commands that are forthcoming. 
that as God's beloved one in Jesus, we put off falsehood. We put off unrighteous anger. We put off stealing and unwholesome talk and bitterness. And we put on truth-telling and righteous anger and hard work and edifying conversation and compassion. So that brings us to our scripture today. Join me at chapter 5. Chapter 5 begins, verse 1, with a therefore. A therefore in Scripture signals a move from cause to effect. Christ has done all this, and in Christ you are all these things. Now this is the effect. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But fornication and impurity of any kind or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among saints. Entirely out of place is obscene silly and vulgar talk, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Be sure of this, that no fornicator or impure person or one who is greedy, that is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be associated with them, for once you were in darkness... But now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Sleeper awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us. Bear the family resemblance, which is love. Amen. A central value in your family and in all of your relationships A central value in the family of God is love. And we've heard this from Jesus. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love God. Love people. Walk in it. Regulate your life in love. Conduct yourself in love. The Greek word used that Paul uses here is, is agape. It's not a romantic love. It's not an affectionate love. It's not a familiar love. It's not a playful love. It's not a self-love or self-centered. Agape is selfless. It's unconditional. It's boundless compassion. It's extended to everyone without limits, without conditions. It's the same kind of love that God has for the world. A self-giving love. For God so loved the world that he gave. God saw mine and your need. And he met it in giving his son to atone for our sin. Agape love, God's love for us is self-sacrificial. And for us, when we think about Agape love and being self-sacrificial. We love that person even if we don't like that person. (laughs) Stepped on my toes, Barbara. Paul writes to a church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians. And there's a whole chapter, chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. Sometimes it's read at weddings. Paul is writing that letter and writes that chapter on love in 1 Corinthians 13 to a church whose relationships were in a mess. It was a church full of jealousy and arguments and finger pointing and blame shifting and boasting and arrogance and drunkenness and sexual sin, gluttony and shameful and indecent worship and ignoring the needs of the poor Christians in the church. They're having a dispute over spiritual gifts. And whose spiritual gifts is the better spiritual gift. And so Paul gives them a whole chapter on love. The ultimate solution Paul brings into this mess is a description of godly love. That the more we are filled with love from God, the more we will love others. And this love will resolve our conflicts, each and every one of them. John Wesley was asked there in his day. John Wesley is our theological forefather in Methodism. And he was asked uh, once upon a time, who, who is a Methodist? And so he wrote a lot about who a Methodist was, a character of a Methodist. And he says, a Methodist is one who has the Spirit, that God has sent the Holy Spirit and shed the love of God abroad in the hearts of the people called Methodists. Methodists are people who love all of humanity and have their hearts purified from the love of the world, from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And it is by the Holy Spirit that the Methodists are delivered from anger and pride and vile and inordinate affections. And he says this, and a Methodist is one, who has the love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Spirit given unto them, who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength. That God is the joy of their heart and the desire of their soul. Love is a distinguishing mark, a character trait of the Jesus-shaped life. Love is a distinguishing character trait of the people called Methodist. 
Methodists are people who have a Jesus-shaped life, a transformed people. This is not about pulling your boots up by the, by the strap or tightening your belt and getting after it. It's about being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And inside-out holiness. Clay presenting itself to the potter for transformation. Our Lent guide, the author, writes this. He said, Genuinely loving others with our actions and attitudes will honor God and inoculate us from sin. Hmm. Genuinely loving others with our actions and attitudes honors God and inoculates us from sin. Love for others is better than a thousand laws for guiding us in how to live a Jesus-shaped life. If we love others, we don't lie to them, we don't steal from them, we don't attack them, we don't hurt them. The reality is this, that a Jesus-shaped life, it impacts all of your relationships. We're not focused on just avoiding sin, but actually becoming Christ-like in this lifetime by the power of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus sends to us when we put our faith in Him. Therefore, it starts by us asking Jesus to, to save us. The wonderful truth is this, that when we receive the love that Jesus has for us, we are then able to truly love others. We cannot give what we do not have. First John says we love because he first loved us. And God's love for you is more than you can imagine. Jesus loved you so much, enough to be crucified for you. Have you received that loving sacrifice for your salvation? It starts with God, He loving you first, and it continues with you accepting that love. This love that God has for you is, is a love that wants the best outcome for you. So say yes to God's love. Become a child of God. So let me ask you this. How are your relationships all of them. Relationships with your spouse, your children, parents, teachers, co-workers, church members, friends, everyone. Yesterday, Judy and our daughter Katie uh, and our dogger, our dog Scout, uh, we drove up to Bersheba to have lunch with those on our Bersheba retreat this weekend, and uh, so we had lunch. We hung out for a little while, and then we went on a hike. We wanted to take Scout on a hike. Uh, there at Bersheba Springs, uh, there is a falls there, a waterfall called Greeter Falls. Upstream from Greeter Falls is another falls called Board Tree Falls. And upstream from Board Tree Falls is a swinging bridge that goes across the creek. The weekend of April the 15th. 1994, the weekend that Judy and I met, we were on a backpacking trip to that area. And a friend of mine took our picture on that swinging bridge. Fast forward to 2008, Judy 
uh, and I were on a hike with uh, some other pastors. Uh, we were at a retreat at Bersheba. We got our picture made in 2008 on that swinging bridge. So yesterday, since my daughter's with us, a photographer, you know, everybody's a photographer nowadays, right? So we go to the swinging bridge. We get our third picture made on the 30, on this swinging bridge some many years later. It's kind of a special place for us. And this morning we were talking about all those years that have passed. Our love for each other has increased. There's been forgiveness. Come on, somebody say amen. There's forgiveness in our relationship. There's been ups and downs. There's been disagreements. But in all of that, we've been able to love each other. Why? Because we received love from God the Father and Jesus the Son. So how are your relationships? Is there anyone that you would say you're estranged from? Is there anyone that you would say you hate or any category of people you would say you hate? Do you have a grudge against anyone? Is there anyone you disdain? Is there anyone that at the mention of their name or the sight of them, it causes the hackles to raise on the back of your neck? So how are your relationships? Really, how are your relationships? To love others the way that God loves us, this agape love, we choose to love and act in ways that are best outcome for them. And here's the reality. The world is watching, you and I, watching our family resemblance. The world sees our love for one another and for others as a witness to the love of God. And when we are marked as a Christian, we are marked by love, this agape love. There are two practical outcomes of loving others, forgiveness and meeting needs. And it's demonstrated in Acts by a man named Stephen. Stephen lived a Jesus-shaped life. He, he was considered by his peers to be filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom. And he's chosen out of a group of people, only seven to be chosen to a, a church leadership position in missions because of his obvious love for God and his Jesus-shaped life maturity. He made sure that the poor and vulnerable people in his church and in the community received food in the daily distribution. And then one day, the people in that town who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah surrounded him, and they confronted him. This man had done nothing but believe in Jesus and act like Jesus, and they killed him for it. Acts details the martyrdom of Stephen. He was crushed by rocks by the Pharisees. And as he lay dying, he said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having Jesus-shaped relationships means that we choose to forgive others. And we can only do this if the love of God is in us. Do you remember where I said it starts? 
starts with us asking Jesus to be our Savior. Stephen did what he saw Jesus do. He believed that Jesus was the Christ. He received the Holy Spirit that shed love of God into his heart. He met the needs of others and he actively loved even his enemies. Did Jesus say something about loving your enemies? Mm. And he loved his enemies by choosing to forgive them as he died at their hands. So how are your relationships? Is there anyone you need to forgive? Is there anyone who needs your help? Christians are marked by their character, by His character. We're marked by the character of our Lord, which is love. And your individual transformation impacts all of your relationships. The best thing you can do for this congregation, the best thing you can do for all of your relationships is to work on your Jesus-shaped life, to be transformed with the help of God's grace by the power of the Holy Spirit, this inward outward transformation of heart and life. I'll take it even a step further. The best thing you can do for this world, the best thing you can do for this world is to work on your Jesus-shaped life, a transformation from the inside out. And oh, how this world needs transformed people. Amen? Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we are broken people. All of us. Even those with stole around his neck. We're broken. And Lord, you you are the solution to our brokenness. You and only you are the solution to the brokenness in the world. And no matter what our brokenness is, Lord, you are willing to forgive. No matter what our brokenness is, you are willing to forgive. And for that, Lord Jesus, we're thankful. Christ our Lord who forgives us does invite us to his table. All who earnestly love him and seek, all who love him who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Our prayer of confession this morning is from the Psalms. You're invited to turn in your Bible to Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. It's also found in our hymnal on page 855. 855, Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24.
you're tracking with us in our Lent guide, this is a prayer that we've been praying during the season of Lent. It starts out with, search me, know my, try my, know my, lead me. This is a prayer for you to the Lord. It's not a search those other people or search them, O Lord. It's search me. So using this as our our prayer of confession, let's just look at that first line. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Would you just pray that to yourself? Just pray that to the Lord, to yourself. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Really ask. Really say it. Really pray it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Then the second part, try me and know my thoughts. Really pray it. Try me, O Lord. Try me and know my thoughts. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. Really pray that. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray these two verses together. First, I will pray the unbold, and then you pray the bold. Then we'll come back and pray both verses together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, all of us together. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Take a few moments, look at those words, see those words, allow those words to soak in, to become your prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Both verses, let's pray together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting.